So before we get started, please take a minute to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter at iShipItPod. You can also visit us on our website, iShipItPod.com, or email any questions or comments directly at iShipItPod, or to, uh, to us, f- to us at iShipItPodGmail.com. And every time I say this, I feel like Alexi Darling from Buzzline. <laughs> You can email me at darlingalexinewscom.net or you can page me at... But if you are feeling supportive and you want to help us grow, you can donate via PayPal, shop our Amazon affiliate link, or buy us a coffee. And last but certainly not least, please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends that you ship it. Pretty please. Thor ate a lot of Pop-Tarts in these fanfics. It is a hot garbage fire. Do you not know what sex pollen is? I mean, phantom seed... What? <laughs> I don't care. I ship it. I don't care. Hey there, geek girls, geek boys, and geeks beyond the binary. This is Emily J with the I Ship It podcast, your safe space on the internet for fan fiction, fandom, and all that stuff you've been pretending you're not reading on your phones. Happy 2020, everybody. Happy New Year. Um, welcome to another decade of this podcast. Um, I say as if I've been on the air for on the air on the internet for 10 years. Um, This is exciting to me because I enjoy a new year. I don't know why. Uh, We all get super excited that the earth continues to spin and the calendar does the same thing it's done for the last couple millennia. But you know what? It's fine. It's cool. It's 2020. Uh, I did not do those things where I like looked back and cataloged my whole decade and I made plans for the next one. I don't do that. Um, I try to stick to manageable New Year's resolutions. Uh, I've got two this year. Um, Number one being learning how to drive a stick shift. Had my first lesson in three years on Saturday. I think it went okay. I only stalled out 700 times, but you know what? It's fine. Where It's a learning curve. And apparently it's a very difficult thing to do. So I am learning. Uh, I appreciate your good vibes as I continue to stall out our vehicle every time I try to back up in the future. Uh, the other thing that I'm trying to do, um, well, I'll talk, get to that in a second. But I, um, this is not a New Year's resolution. This is me wanting to be less of a gelatinous blob. And so I started boxing again. And it's fun But it's also way more fun and way easier to lay on the ground and eat cheese. But since I've been doing that pretty much exclusively for the last like 10 months, I feel like I should probably change it up a little bit and kind of really close to voiding the warranty on my entire body. You know, like how you when you use an appliance so incorrectly, you're like, "Ah, fuck, this is going to break and they're not even going to help me fix it. Like that's where I'm at right now. So so more good vibes are requested as I try and remember how to use my muscles and bones at the same time and propel myself forward in an active fashion. Again, not a New Year's resolution, all right? I don't give a shit if by this time next year it's a new year, new me. I intend to be the same, you know, exercise-averse douche that I am right now, but um, being a little less winded by walking up a set of stairs would be nice. So again, some good vibes are appreciated. Actual New Year's resolution, back to that, uh, is the, (laughs) I say this on the tale of calling myself an exercise-averse gelatinous douche, uh, is to limit my negative self-talk. 
Oh, it's a work in progress. Um, but uh, <clears throat> just just actually one specific thing. I happen to say on a lot of occasions, whatever something is, like, oh, my God, I wish I was dead. I say that a lot. Or like, this makes me want to die. And I'm joking most of the time. Um, unless I'm talking about American politics, which we're not going to talk about right now. Um, but... You know, it's one of those things where it's like you should monitor your own self-talk, even when you're joking, because it does affect you and it does affect people around you if they are dealing with some suicidal ideation or things like that. I don't want to, you know, make somebody go down that path. So I found this cool thing on Tumblr that was like, instead of saying something makes you want to die, you should say it makes you want to commit a crime. Then you're like leveling up from like emo kid to punk kid and once they put it that way I was like oh I'm here for that like everything's horrible I want to go commit a crime that sounds better right it sounds less hopeful hopeless and like there's something you can do about it granted not something legal but you know the sex pistols didn't care about that did they no they didn't anarchy in the UK so that's why we're doing this episode you'll see in a second why I called it what I called it. Um, but uh, but yeah, in that vein, and the fact that it's New Year, and if you recall last year, I started off 2019 with a, um, a fanfic 101. So that was a deep dive into the history of our good genre. We went back to like 14 whatever, talked about a whole bunch of crazy shit. Um, but... <laughs> I'm really good at remembering my own stuff. But that was last year. That was like, I thought it was a nice way to kick off the year. So when this topic like appeared to me, uh, presented itself to me, I was like, oh, this would be perfect for the first episode of the new year because it's a big part of fanfic history. And it's kind of criminal too, which is pretty sexy. So what am I talking about? Okay, so what I'm talking about is the fact that it was brought to my attention recently that there are over a thousand Anne Rice Vampire Chronicles on archiveofourown.org, AO3. Now, I don't know if there are, you know, fanfics about her weird Jesus fanfic or whatever the fuck she wrote else outside of Vampire Chronicles. I know she's got a bajillion books, and I'm sure there's fanfic about it, those too. But the big one, the big one on the archive at least is that there's, you know, the big deal is that there's over a thousand fics about the Vampire Chronicles. And my nervous, fandom old fanfic reader heart was like, oh my gosh. It clenched for a second. Why would I do that? Why am I scared for these fanfic writers? Why am I nervous? Why do I give a fuck? Because Emily, you don't even like Anne Rice and you don't really like vampires that much. True facts. True facts all. All around. True facts. However, if you don't know why my little heart clenched up or why I got nervous for these writers, it's because you're a very lucky person and you do not live through the dark times that us, we fandom olds, have lived through. So sit down, let me spin you a yarn about some fanfic history, some bullshit claims of copyright infringement, scary cease and desist letters, and kind of a bully of an author who ruined a lot of fun for a lot of people and has some pretty scary fans. Also, 
me put a little disclaimer on here. I'm a little nervous that I'm going to be the target of ire. I know this this podcast is not big enough that anybody's going to really notice. But if there are people who are like searching keywords, um, I'm a little concerned. So if anybody wants to volunteer to immediately leap to my aid or my defense, should the Rice Krispies or whatever the hell they call themselves uh, come after me, I would be most appreciative. I'm a very good damsel in distress. Uh, if I maybe wants to play White Knight on Twitter or whatever, I'm uh, I'm accepting of that. And I I thank you in advance. So that's my first disclaimer. My second disclaimer being that all of this is technically basically considered hearsay because I didn't personally experience any of it, but I have read a lot of personal accounts and I know the the fear that all of this I I know the effect that all of this had okay so I didn't I wasn't I wasn't personally purged because I didn't read I didn't read or write these fics but um the 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 like I said the shadow the specter of what happened here what I'm going to talk about hung over the world of fanfic for a very long time and I uh I had to respond to that I had to be a part of that in that when I first started writing fanfic especially on fanfiction.net, I um, always started my stories. And everybody, keep in mind, everybody started their stories with a little disclaimer. It said something along the lines of, this is entirely a work of fan fiction. This is um, just for fun. I'm not making any money off of this. And I don't own these characters. They're owned by, you know, Fox or Disney or whatever or whatever author or whatever. Okay. So we all put that stuff at the top of our fan fictions. And some newer fans I have heard are confused by this. They're like, bro, it's fanfic. I don't expect that you, I don't think that you're out there making money off of this shit. You don't have to tell me. Well, children's. We did have to tell you at one point because there was some scary shit that went down, mostly with Anne Rice. All right. So again, this is not this is not silly. All right. We're we know what we're doing. We know nobody's paying us for it. But here's what here's the shit that went down. All right. So back in like 1995, when the internet was a fresh-faced, squishy baby, Anne Rice decided right off the bat she was like, "Fuck fan fiction. I don't like it. I don't want it." I hate it. I absolutely refuse to give permission to anybody who wants to write fan fiction about my characters. I'm speaking almost specifically about the Vampire Chronicles, but this is her entire body of work that she, this is her whole edict, okay? So she said absolutely not, okay? You don't have permission. Now, we'll get into the legality of that in just a second. But to prove her point... Um, she had her legal team go seeking out people who were writing and publishing her fan fiction for free, mind you, fan fiction has been and always will be free on the internet um, and sending them like really scary um, takedown notices and cease and desist letters, um, threatening like not just like basic like, hey, this is a standard cease and desist letter, like Scary language, like really threatening letters from her legal team. She spent money to do this, okay? This was her thing. And then in 2000, she went on a hardcore purge and like 
sent her fans looking for people who were writing fan fiction on the internet. And they went crazy and they started doxing people, like straight up finding out who they were in real life, threatening to send their fix to their employers and like out them as fan fiction writers. And like a bunch of people have reported that like they found out where they lived and they were saying things like, oh, on these like message boards, like, oh, it'd be a shame if something happened to her when she goes like monitoring their movements and all this crazy shit. Okay, this is like way, way, way insane. This is not normal behavior. I don't give a fuck if you don't like what people do with your fan with your characters. This is nuts. And this was like the norm. This was the thing that Anne Rice fans did. And she did nothing to stop them. And like, yes, okay, technically she can shrug her shoulders and be like, I don't know. People have their own opinions of what should happen to people who write fanfic about my characters. Which she has on a lot of occasions, okay? But the fact is she still had those lawyers out there sending shit to people, sending letters, threatening people, all this crazy shit, right? And this resulted in a gigantic purge of Anne Rice fanfic from the internet. Like, whole websites that were devoted to it, gone overnight. Um, A bunch of archive sites caved um, and took everything down. Again, overnight, people lost, like, whole, like, yes, people could technically still have those stories on their hard drives if they saved them, but... Some people didn't, so they lost whole bodies of work, like whole big pieces of themselves that they put out there. Not to mention the comments, which are an important part of any story that's hosted online. You want to save those. And there was no time. There was no, there was, it was overnight. This purge happened and everybody lost all their shit. Um, and it, not only that, but it was like a huge sense, this big shadow was cast, this huge, scary feeling that if you published Anne Rice fan fiction, that you were going to basically have your life ruined by either her lawyers who were going to sue you within an inch of your life because she could afford it and you couldn't, or her rabid fucking fans were going to come after you and like, you know, ruin your life. And this happened to a lot of people. Like I'm going to provide you guys with a couple of links. You can read people's personal accounts of shit that was done to them in the name of Anne Rice. Um, and this is not, okay, I know I'm making her sound like the big bad wolf of the fan fiction world. And granted, she's the most famous, but there are other authors and other creators who did this too. All right. Like Fox, for instance, back in like 1996 went online and they, they issued takedown notices to all of the websites that were just X-Files, um, fan fiction and kept a pretty tight leash on like who was, a you know, who they would, they would find out who was writing x-files fanfic and have that taken down pretty much immediately a lot of archive sites wouldn't post um x-files fic because of fox and their team of of lawyers and their scariness um and i mean also like jk rowling i know she's everybody's public enemy number one right now so just add this to the reasons you don't like her anymore um she's the reason that the website restrictedsection.org doesn't exist anymore and i think I don't want to put lawsuits in her mouth, but I think she's also the reason that the big Harry Potter archives, such as um, Fictionality, or is it Fictionality? Yeah, Fictionality don't exist anymore. I don't know for sure, though, but I feel like Restricted Section Section was part of that. 
And that was all the um, Harry Potter smut fix. That was the specific one. And it was, you know, 18 or only admiss- you know, admissible, that kind of stuff. Um, as far as, like, who could enter it. Not that, like, we didn't all fucking lie on the internet every day of our lives. But, you know, they put the the barriers in place, whatever. Um, but that was taken down at her request. Um, but so, yeah. So this is not just an Anne Rice thing, but she is the most famous because she let her fans run fucking rabid and ruin people's lives. And she did nothing and continues to do nothing to stop them. This is not a thing of the past. This is not something she can say like, well, that was 20 years ago. Initially, yes, it was 20 years ago, but she's continued to do it and she's continued to support people who do these horrible things to other people on the internet. I'm now I'm like a little concerned. I just put a target on my sweet little podcast. Um, But I guess uh, I guess part of being more punk in 2020 is uh, that we're going to we're going to carry on. We're going to soldier forth. And do this anyway, because the people need to know, (laughs) right? If you don't already know about Anne Rice, if I'm teaching you something new today, then I'm glad because you should know. You should know the wars that we all fought, the things that we saw back in the early days. Now, this is all very scary, right? But there is hope. There is, there is a good, there's good things here to to remember, okay? Um, And the, the biggest one, is that to the general knowledge of the internet, and I, I did look a little bit. There's a there's a post that I will link to on Tumblr that um, gives a lot more detail and uh, helped me to kind of form all of my thoughts for this episode. Um, so there's a there has never been an actual lawsuit um, filed for fan fiction. There's been. Um, like I said, these takedown let these takedown notices, the cease and desist letters. There's been a bunch of stuff similar, but as for anyone ever actually being sued for writing fan fiction, it's never happened. And the reason it's never happened is because legally, the person suing would have no case. So, according to the United States Supreme Court, what we do is considered parody. Not in the jokey, funny sense of the word, in the actual legal sense of the word. What we do as fan fiction writers is considered parody. And if it's considered parody, then it is protected under fair use. So the fact that it is protected under fair use and the fact that we never make any money off of it, there's no case. There's no legal ground for these people to stand on. And that's why none of these cases ever go to trial, because there is no case. They just threaten And they just scare you with cease and desist letters and a bunch of other scary shit that if you don't know is very scary and will make you take things down and will make you feel like you're in danger of losing your livelihood or whatever because you don't have Anne Rice money to back up your own existence. And that's what they're counting on, right? That's that's what bullying tactics are. They're scare tactics. So, um, but... The important thing, the reason I did this is because the fan fiction that I'm talking about, the one that started this whole episode, are on archiveofourown.org. And they are posted there to for everybody to read without any fear whatsoever. Now, maybe the people who wrote it were like, oh, I'm very nervous about this and like we're scared to post it. 
one of the reasons that Archive of Our Own is so amazing and um, Organization of Transformative Works is so amazing is that they have these big, fat legal teams. Sorry, guys. I'm sure you're very shapely. Big, fat legal teams that know all about copyright law, right? And they know all of the times, all of the cases, all of the things that lawyers know. They know about copyright and they know about parody laws and they know about fair use and they know that there is no legal action that anybody can take against the writers who publish on their archive. So they're there to stand between us and those scary lawyers. And when they say scary things like, take this down or else, AO3 is just like, or else what, bitch? Maybe they don't say it like that, but like, I feel like they do. Maybe there's like some hands throwing and me like, bring it on because they know. So remember that, y'all, when it's time to donate again, when the annual donation drive comes up, we're not just paying for them to continue to run the most amazing archive of fan fiction the world has ever seen with the greatest filtering and the best searching and all of the best wonderful things. We're also paying for a group of lawyers to protect us um, in a way that we've never had, in a kind of, with the kind of protection that we've never had before. So keep that in mind. Throw them 10 bucks the next time they ask for money. Um, they deserve it. They need it. This is part of the thing that goes, this is part of what they they use our donations for, is paying these lawyers, okay? So it's very important. That's why we donate and that's why we keep them around. So now that you know the rich and storied history of Anne Rice v. Fan Fiction, I am going to recommend some fanfics to you. Now, based on everything that I just told you, can you imagine that I've ever read an Anne Rice novel in my life? Because if you think the answer is yes, you are incorrect. I have never once read anything by Anne Rice, and I don't think I ever will. I've seen some movies that her work has, uh, you know, been inspired, or that her work has inspired, but as far as actually going to a bookstore, paying money, Getting one of her books and reading it never happened. I've also never taken them out of the library because as I stated at the top of this episode, vampires aren't really my fave. But, you know, here's the fe- the best part, though. So since I don't read Anne Rice, the fact that I can read fan fiction that she hates without ever reading the original source material, honestly, just feels like a little bit spicier, a little bit like a little bit more more uh, risky and sexy to me because I'm a super nerd who is actually not breaking any laws by doing this. But such a goody two-shoes that this is like getting my little heart racing. Like, mm, I'm being so naughty. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so as I wallow here in my innate lateness, uh, keep in mind, okay, so all of the fix, I found you three. There are over a thousand. I just sorted by kudos, and I thought I'd give you a nice little mix. Um, if you've never read Anne Rice fan fiction before because you were fucking terrified to, as so many of us were, get thee to AO3, click on Vampire Chronicles, and go read the things that I'm going to offer you. Okay, so I, I brought you a couple. Now, these are all slash fix, okay? Because if I'm going to read about vampires that, I've, have known, that I know nothing about, 
and I'm going to read fan fiction that shouldn't exist because it used to be illegal, you know these vampires are going to be gay, okay? I'm going to read gay vampire fan fiction that used to be illegal because, God damn it, I'm an American and that is my right. And what's more American than that? Nothing as far as I'm concerned. So these are all slash fics. The pairing is um, Lestat and Louis Dupont de Lac. Uh, apparently it's a very popular ship. You, you Anne Rice fans must be laughing hysterically because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I know who Lestat is. And uh, after reading a couple of these fics, I know who Louis is. So Louis is. So anyway, these are all that pairing. It's very popular. I think it was the only one I ever saw. There's a couple others like scattered in there, but it's definitely the main ship. So I don't know anything about them. I don't know anything about their universe. So what did I find for you guys? I found two AUs. Who loves an AU? Like I love an AU. Nobody. First one. How excited was I to find this? A coffee shop AU. Oh, a Vampire Chronicles coffee shop AU. Um, it's called Signature Blend by Bernadette underscore DPDL. And I want to say this is a co-author, Rebness. Um, I believe it is a co-author. I believe it is a co-written piece. Um, these are all complete BT dubs. Uh, the first two are much longer fix. They're in the 30,000 word range. I read the first couple chapters. Uh, pretty, it looks like a pretty standard coffee shop. Uh, Louis is the employee. Uh, Lestat is a musician who's coming in to check out the space before he decides if he wants his band to play there. I'm so here for this. Um, there's already some sexual tension. First chapter. Uh, so you know it's going to be good. You know there's going to be some probably some pent up longing, some uh, some flirting exchanged over uh, coffee drinks, which by the way, first one was already on the house. Uh, Louis is already bringing that flirt game hard right off the bat. Love it. Um, and who I, it like this is the thing. This is the beauty of the AU. I don't need to know anything about these characters. I just need to know that they work in a coffee. The one of them works in a coffee shop and one of them comes in a lot. And I will read however many chapters of it. I didn't read all the chapters of it because I was in a little bit of a rush. But I wanted to make sure that I was giving you guys a good one. And I think I am. So if you do read these, which you should, because we can now, um, you need to leave a really nice review. And you need to... Um, Read all of these fics because, like I said, you, you can now. And I am imploring you to do so. Exercise your freedom that we didn't have for a very long time. Uh, next one is a college slash university AU. <laughs> I only picked it. I mean, it's a good fic, but I picked it mostly because of the title, which is Interview with a Frat Boy by the Corinthian. <laughs> and I like a little play on I like a little play on words a little play on title puns every now and then uh it is again um slash that these are Lestat and Louis are frat boys uh Louis is the pledge and Lestat is the uh I don't know what the word is for fraternity like a sponsor brother or like in sororities it's like that they would be like his big but I don't think that's what they call them in fraternities <laughs> I've never been to one and the boys that I knew who were in fraternities didn't tell me these little secrets and these little secret words that they used so anyway uh Louis is a pledge and Lestat is a senior member of the fraternity and again um already there's some sweet kind of it's not hazing it's teasing flirting again I only read the first chapter but it feels great it feels very comforting 
I like a good university AU as well. Kind of a nice, like, soft place to land. Like, I pretty much know how this is going to go down. And as I spent three and a half years at a university of my own, it's a nice little reminder, right? Like, well, you know how you know how everything happens on a on a college campus. You know where this is going. And that's nice, isn't it? Isn't it nice to know when you're reading an AU, like, I have a pretty good idea of how this is going to end, and I'm going to read it anyway, and then I'm going to go look for a thousand more fics just like it. And that's the beauty of fan fiction, right? Right. So last one is a um, is not an AU. It's a, a canon, I guess, canon universe, canon specific. I don't know what we call it when it's not divergent, when it's just like a canon fic. Is that what we call it? Is it a canon fic? I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, anyway, it takes place in the traditional universe. It's called There Was No Sacred Place by First Adrena. It's a short fic. It's just a one shot. And um, really, really well written in that I didn't know what was going. I don't know what happens in these books. But I got a very nice feel for the characters. Um, a lot of dense description and like really good um, – I'm gonna say this like really good feeling setting not so much I didn't really I mean I knew where they were where it took place but it's not so much that it was like I just knew how how like the air felt um while while this whole thing was going on it was like a really good a lot of good descriptions without being flowery that might sound odd but I feel like if you read it and it's only like 1500 words or whatever you'll know what I'm talking about it like tasted good that sounded weird. <laughs> but it's true. Some fix. You can just taste. You can just taste the scenery. You can taste the setting. You can taste the fic itself. Um, this was one of those fics. It was tasty. Tasty AF. Um, so good job, first Adrena. Those are those are your uh, those are your recommendations for the week. I have a whole bunch of stuff coming up for you guys. Um, not so much that I have things recorded or planned out or done, but I kind of know what I'm going to talk about the next couple of weeks. And that's very exciting for me because this last minute scrambling of like, oh my God, what am I going to talk about? And then finding so much about whatever topic it is, it's a little stressful and it's a hundred percent avoidable. And I'm going to try to be better about it because it will make my life easier. And I think it might make me a better podcast host. So look forward to that because I am empowered to do it and full of confidence, full of the urge to commit a crime. Um, I hope that you will join me in committing these these mild-mannered felonies <laughs> that, uh, that we aren't actually committing because there's nothing illegal about what we're doing. Um, we are reading Anne Rice fan fiction this week and we're going to like it because we can. And in the meantime... Have a wonderful week. Enjoy this smutty, smutty vampire fic. And of all, above all else, as always, get your shit done.